Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. Today is Thursday, January 25th. 2024 and i am your host of course mike abadir hope everyone is having a good final week of uh january here it's kind of crazy that you get to the new years and leading up to new years like everybody's like oh i can't believe it's almost new years and then the new year comes and then it's like boom you're in february in the blink of an eye <laughs> got kind of funny how that works out but what that means in terms of the sports ca- calendar is that we got four NFL teams left. We're going to know who are the Super Bowl participants in just a few days here. Uh, on Sunday, we're going to have like two pretty epic matchups, I think. You have the Lions visiting the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara, Levi Stadium. And then you have Kansas City, the Chiefs with Mahomes and Kelsey and Rashi Rice, because those are the names they get spoken about. But really, it's their defense going into Baltimore to face Lamar and their defense. So what I'm trying to really say is that this is an epic battle involving two of the top quarterbacks in the NFL that really carry their offenses. They carry their offenses in very different ways. But really, it's the team's defenses that have got them to this point. Look, How many playmakers can you name for Baltimore? In fact, I'd argue that their best one isn't even playing right now in in Mark Andrews, their tight end. For the Chiefs, their best one is probably Kelsey. And although he is playing, he's not even playing at a high level, which really, to me, is more indicative, if you're looking just at the offenses of these teams, it's more indicative of how, how much these two quarterbacks mean to an organization how much they could carry teams. Um, It's interesting, though, because when you look at the MVP candidates, which just got released, they don't include Mahomes. The three finalists are Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott. It does say here, though, as I'm reading this press release, this is Bills quarterback Josh Allen, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy are also finalists for the MVP. So I don't know why they're separating out those three. Um, then it goes on to say Dolphins wide receiver Tyree Kill and Cowboys wide out CeeDee Lamb are the other two finalists for, I think there's a typo here. I think what they're trying to distinguish is offensive player of the year versus the MVP contest. So I'll try to get some clarity on that, but In either list, you don't have Patrick Mahomes. You do have Lamar. 
And Mahomes had had a Mahomes like season. And to me, that's extra impressive because let's face it, his offense, you know, his they had a lot of drops. Kelsey didn't seem as focused as uh, maybe he has been in the past, or maybe he's lost a step. You know, maybe he's uh, deeply in love, and um, you know, I, I say that semi-jokingly, but I think it's because who he is with probably requires a lot more of a demanding schedule. Interviews and paparazzi and appearances and all that kind of stuff that maybe you wouldn't have with a non-celebrity girlfriend, right? I mean, there is a difference for sure. I mean, put put, put yourself in that guy's shoes. And now, the spotlight's on you, you know, even when you walk outside to, you know, get your mail from your mailbox. Or when you go to the grocery store, you know, with your hoodie on or not dressed up or whatever. That stuff is going to appear in tabloids. You know, a few months ago, it wasn't like that. So he's kind of living a different lifestyle than he was before. And I have to imagine that at some point, it does impact your job, regardless of what your job is. So, again, I think the whole point I'm getting at is that with Mahomes receivers dropping passes, uh, at a pretty alarming rate. I think it was 25, 26 drops a game. And that's that's pretty significant, right? That's Those are key first downs. Those are touchdown receptions. Those are deep passes. They're short passes. They keep the drive going, so on and so forth. Uh, but yet, here we are. They're in the AFC Finals. They are one game away from going to the Super Bowl. They are two wins away from being uh, NFL champs once again. So, how do we how how do we attack this game from a handicapping perspective? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Moving on uh, to the other side of the bracket with the Niners and the Lions. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of feel like. The Niners have a lot of luck on their side. And I, I'm going to be, I'm going to, some people are going to say I sound like a hater. And maybe I do sound like a hater. But to play a seventh seed and then the Lions outdoors to get to a Super Bowl, that's not the hardest path in the history of NFC championships. Let's be honest. It's kind of a chicken shit route, in my opinion. I mean, can anybody argue that it's that it's not it's not nearly as daunting as the Chiefs having to shut down the Miami offense, having to beat but the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, and then perhaps beating the Ravens in Baltimore. I mean that that's pretty legitimate. You know, you get to the Super Bowl. You've earned it. And with that said, the Niners really weren't even super impressive against the Packers. You know, it was probably a win that you could chalk up to home field advantage. 
which is fine. That's why that's why you get those home games. But Purdy wasn't great. Um, their defense wasn't shut down. Um, their offense wasn't dominant. They got away with the victory. Is it crazy to say that I think right now the Lions might be the better team between the two of them? And I'm not necessarily saying that the Lions are for sure going to win. But are they the better team right now? I don't know if I'm going to go all the way to say that definitively. But I think it's pretty close. I think, like, my litmus test is always neutral site. What would the outcome be? They're both playing against each other, you know, in the New Orleans Superdome. What would the results look like? I could see it being a uh, split, like you play 10 games, Niners win five, Lions win five. You know, if the Niners have the advantage, I don't think they would win more than six out of 10. You know, I think five out of 10, probably where it's at, maybe six out of 10 at the most in favor of the 49ers. You know, maybe, maybe even six out of 10 in favor of the Lions, perhaps. But I think they're, it's a pretty good matchup overall. And so I think we're going to have a couple of really good ball games. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more as the show goes on. But we have a couple of pretty big head coaching decisions that have been finalized today. I want to take a minute to talk about them. Now, obviously, the news came down uh, actually yesterday evening that Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan, where he just won a national championship. And props to him. I mean, he's leaving college football at the very top. You know, he gets there, he does what he committed to do, which is to bring a championship to Ann Arbor, and the guy delivered. And so if your aspirations are to be like a Bobby Bowden, you know, or someone who plans to be at this, like a Mike Krzyzewski or any of these guys that are going to be out of school for 30 years, 40 years, there's no better place to do it than Michigan or maybe like in Alabama. But if that's not the goal, and if he feels that he's still young enough to be able to accomplish some other things, there's no better time to leave than at the very top. Because that makes for a thing a legend. And you'll always get the benefit of that one key sentiment from the public, which is, I wonder how many championships you would have won if you stayed there instead of going to the NFL. So you almost get the benefit. Like nobody says, uh, I wonder how many seasons he missed on winning a championship if he stayed. No, people are like, I wonder how many more he would have won. Right? It's always the way it is when you leave on top. So very smart decision. Props to him. Now, he's going to the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers, who have been kind of a trade wreck, let's face it. You know, they really haven't been a very good team since they've come over from San Diego. They've been overhyped. You know, they 
they got a really good quarterback in the draft and really haven't done anything with them. They, they are not a factor. And they tinkered and tried. They kind of remind me a little bit of the Angels. It's like football's version of the Angels. Like these guys, uh, you know, think because he got Trout, now we got Otani, we're just going to win games. You know, and I think th- there's that sentiment of, you know, we've got this young, badass quarterback. We're going to win some games, especially, too, because we got, you know, a great uh, wide receiver and Keenan Allen, and we went and got Khalil Mack, so we should be good to go. And they just haven't been. They've been nothing re- resembling good to go. You know, overall, they've been a pretty bad team. At times, fun to watch. But I think a lot of the analysis when it comes to taking head coaching jobs has a lot to do with, do I have a franchise quarterback that I can work with for the next five to seven years or or longer? You know, there's a lot of head coaches that could have taken over, for example, the Green Bay Packers over the last 15 years or so with Aaron Rodgers you know, plug in a bunch of guys, they would have won 12 games. Because you have that quarterback there. Now, one may ask, well, Herbert's been there. They haven't been winning 12 games. True. He hasn't got into the winning ways yet. Whereas the Packers, with Brett Favre, you know, the 15 years prior to that, they had a winning organization. They had winning teams. They had championships. So uh, it becomes one of those things where you can plug it in. Now, if the Chargers become that, then, yeah, during their quarterback's tenure, you know, it's going to be a coveted job. You know, anybody would want to take over for the Chiefs with Mahomes or the Bills with Josh Allen or the Ravens with Lamar and so on and so forth. To me, that's the key thing. That's way more valuable than having a first overall pick and getting your pick of the litter in terms of quarterbacks that are available in the draft because that's just a crapshoot. Having the first pick is a lot more exciting than the re- what the reality that it brings turns out to be. You know, a lot of... A lot of It's a lot of misses. Let's be honest about it. You know, one out of every five first-round quarterbacks. It's actually a little bit less than 20%. I think it's like 17% of first-round quarterbacks are starters in the NFL after their first three years. So take all the first-rounders. And the vast majority of them aren't the starting quarterback for that team on opening day of, of year four of their tenure in the NFL. It's a pretty crazy statistic. 83% are not the franchise quarterback is really what we're saying. And that's a first rounder. So that's where you're getting the best of the best. So if there are five first round quarterbacks in the draft, Typically, you could expect that only one of them is going to turn out to be a badass. The irony of it all is that we've seen badasses that aren't first-rounders, right? How about Brock Purdy? He's the last-rounder. 
not the first, last. Uh, Mahomes wasn't a first rounder, et cetera. I mean, we can kind of go down the list and, and look at the, the variety of guys who are not first round quarterbacks. Now, the these conference championships, in, in all fairness, they, they are kind of loaded with first rounders. And even the round before Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, uh, Josh Allen was a first rounder. Uh, Lamar is a first rounder, uh, so on and so forth. But when you look around the league, and when you look historically, the the numbers that I'm um, referencing are are pretty um, pretty glaring. So coming back to the Chargers and Harbaugh, I think it makes a lot of sense for Harbaugh to a make a decision on a team. If he's going to go to the NFL, that's got a quarterback, number one. Number two, if you if you have your pick of cities, you know, L.A. is probably going to be up there. You know, maybe Miami, you know, Dallas, I suppose. Yeah, New York and Boston are a bit hectic, and the pressure is really high. There's no pressure in Los Angeles. There's no pressure, especially with the Chargers. Not that there really is with the Rams either. But he's kind of in a perfect position. Great place to be able to move your family to. Plenty of opportunities in terms of endorsement deals. Plenty of opportunities in terms of Hollywood. Plenty of opportunities in terms of uh, post-career transitioning to a Fox Sports or something like that. Even ESPN now has a presence in Los Angeles. So it's a pretty good move. Now, after this commercial timeout, we're going to talk about the other decision, the other job that was handed out today, uh, just a short time ago, by the Atlanta Falcons, where they made a decision that was a little bit surprising to me, especially when you look at who the choices were between. So, Let's talk about that on the other side of the break. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. 
That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Before the break, we were talking about the head coaching uh, vacancies that have been filled. I should say the no longer head coaching vacancies because they have been filled. And I don't remember if Antonio Pierce had been solidified last week uh, when we were on the air, but props to the Raiders for, for giving an interim coach who was fairly successful and whom the players really, really went about for the job. I like that because we've seen over the years with uh, Hugh Jackson and Cable and a few other interims for the Raiders that they typically go a different direction. And so I'm really glad to see that they gave Antonio Pierce the opportunity. I think he's a guy that uh, is a leader of men. He's got a championship pedigree as a player. And obviously, the team responded to him in a much different way than they responded to Josh McDaniels. So just based on on those things alone, and there was a decent sample size too, right? I mean, Antonio Pierce was basically there for about a half a season. But the job I was referring to before the break is the Atlanta Falcons. Now, they've been dating Bill Belichick now, uh, really, since the NFL season's finale. You know, I think within two days of the end of the regular season, the Patriots and uh, Bill Belichick went their separate ways, which I thought was a little bit short-sighted and foolish by the Patriots. But, hey, maybe, maybe it was just as much on Bill Belichick. Perhaps. I don't know. But nonetheless... It seemed inevitable that the Falcons were going to go with them. I mean, let's face it. The Falcons aren't like a historically appealing, historically sexy ball club to be able to lure an all-time great. And again, I don't know the inner workings. I don't know if he rejected them. They rejected him. But nonetheless, they end up hiring the Rams defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, as their head coach. So congrats to Raheem Morris. Now, he did have a stint previously in the same division with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was their head coach. In his final season, he went 4-12. and 12. His tenure overall, what you can't say was a success. But I don't think this is based on his track record as a head coach from that time period. I think this is more about who he is now, who he's become since, how he's grown since 
he was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And one thing that's pretty consistent, you know, whether it was from way back when, when he was with the Steelers, uh, when he had a really good defense, when he became on the radar or got on the radar of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first place a few years ago, or whether it be with the Rams, obviously his defenses typically rank amongst the best in the league. And one of the Falcons, uh, I think areas that they saw some promise, but that they could build on was the area of defense. And I think in the division that they're in, because overall it's a fairly weak division, the Carolina Panthers don't look like they're going to be a factor anytime soon. The, uh, you know, Tampa, they had a nice run with Baker Mayfield, but they're definitely not a dominant force. Uh, the Saints, you know, they had a nice season. They were about 500. They won nine games. You know, um, they weren't a dominant force. You know, their record could have been a little bit better if uh, maybe a field goal kick or two were made. That's the fine line between winning and losing the NFL. And I think a 10-7 and seven record sounds a lot better than 9-8. and eight. 11 and six sounds like a championship type of ball club potential. Definitely a playoff team, definitely a division winner. And two kicks can make all the difference in the world. But point being, you know, the Saints were not a dominant team either. I think that the Falcons have an opportunity to be able to climb to the top of the hill. I mean, they were really close, anyways. And again, they're not in a division where you have a stacked. You know, like whoever's going to take the Patriots' job, you know they're they're going they're going to be up against it because you have the Jets who have a really really good defense, you have Miami who's got a really really good offense, and you got the Bills who have got a good offense and a good defense. It's going to be pretty hard to envision a team coming in there and uh, like the Patriots coming in and having a quick turnaround in that division. You know, on paper, you know they're looking at. You know, a one in five, at best, two and four division record. Maybe even 0 and six. That's tough sledding. When you look at the Falcons, you know, a couple of tweaks and maybe the right man in charge, and they go four and two at that division. And that's, that's the difference in the head coaching positions that one is evaluating if you're looking at the Patriots and the Falcons. Now, again, that's to me what makes it all the more surprising that Belichick wasn't the winner of this coaching carousel, musical chairs in the National Football League, if you want to call it that. These are both coaches that have experience and both coaches uh have resumes that would def definitely get them consideration. But let's face it, nobody's got the same resumes. Bill Belich. I mean, nobody in the history of the game. You know, he's won more games than anybody besides Don Shula. He's not far off from Shula. Definitely won more Super Bowls. Definitely been to more Super Bowls. You know, he he's done it all, really. 
And maybe because of that, he wants his pick of litter teams. Maybe he goes to the broadcast booth for a year or two, and then uh, there's like an opening somewhere where he could kind of coast, if you will. You know, maybe like a Philadelphia Eagles or something. Things don't work out for them again. Maybe that's an appealing job. He kind of seems like he's an East Coast type of guy. Uh, so I could see that being the case, perhaps. I don't know. But let's face it. His, he's not getting any younger. And if he's in the broadcast booth for any more than probably two years, and then I think it would be game over for him. I think that would pretty much that ship has sailed. You know, he's not getting any younger, folks. So this isn't a Gruden situation where, you know, he's still got, you, you know, he had youth on his side when he left ESPN and came back to the Raiders. So where do we go from here with Bill Belichick? I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's tremendous interest in Belichick. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm a little bit surprised, but it doesn't seem like there is a ton of interest in Bill Belichick. And we're never going to know the entire story, right? Because let's say it's a team that does have like a franchise quarterback or a good quarterback or any kind of leader on the team who has some input in who the next head coach is going to be. Maybe he said, hey, as long as it ain't Bill Belichick, I don't care. Like, we don't know if those kind of comments have been made or not. There's a possibility that somebody had spoken up and suggested such a thing. Uh, but but that's the point, is, is that we don't know. And the only thing we do know is that, right, as of this point right now on January 25th, he doesn't have a head coaching job, and he's not a favorite to win any of the jobs at this point in time. A lot can happen quickly. But as of right now, Bill Belichick is a free agent. He is on the sidelines. My prediction is he goes to the broadcast booth. Bringing it back to Raheem Morris for a quick moment. Uh, again, congratulations to him. And I don't want to get into this, necessarily the politics of, of it all, but obviously the uh, Falcons owner, Arthur Blank, he has been pretty vocal about uh, diversity being a, an important goal for the National Football League. And uh, I'm not going to comment on, on how you go about achieving that or anything like that, because those are issues that are above my pay grade. Uh, but where I will commend him is in that he, he did, he put his money where his mouth is. He did what he said the league as a whole needed to do. And so I respect that greatly. You know, if you're going out of your way to say we need more diversity hires at the highest ranks, but then you're never doing it, you know, then to me, I don't take you seriously. So we can take Arthur Blank of the Atlanta Falcons seriously when it comes to that subject matter, because he did exactly what he said the league needs to do. So I'll give him props at that level. Okay. Let's get back to the games on the field for a quick moment. Which, now a lot of people, by the way, are saying that the Chiefs and the Ravens is going to be like the Super Bowl. And it might be. 
a lot of times we get that right. In one of the conference, you got like two really, really exciting teams or two really kick-ass teams, and people look at it as the Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. Um, and, and this could very well be that. I think the Niners and the Lions has an intrigue too. But the Chiefs and the Ravens, you know, you're talking about last year's Super Bowl winner versus a guy who's, you know, maybe going to be the MVP in Lamar and a guy who really hasn't had a very good track record in the postseason. So this is his opportunity. He can erase all of his postseason losses with a win at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. But my question for everybody is this. What Super Bowl does the NFL want? So there's only four possibilities, right? Chiefs against the 49ers, Chiefs against the Lions. The Ravens against the 49ers, the Ravens against the Lions. So I'm just going to start by saying which is probably the least preferred. I'd say the Lions and anybody. But probably the Lions and the Ravens. I think that would be the one matchup that the NFL probably doesn't want to see. Because at least if you get the Lions and the Chiefs, you know, you have Mahomes in there. And he's a Super Bowl champ. Multi-time Super Bowl champ. You got Lamar and Goff. One is going to be a Super Bowl winner. The other one is going to be a Super Bowl loser. Obviously, if it's Goff, he will be a uh, two-time Super Bowl loser. Uh, and if it's Lamar, then it kind of goes back into that pile of playoff losses, postseason losses that will accumulate for him. I would say the Niners... And the Chiefs would probably be the number one matchup that the NFL wants. But a very, very close second would be the Niners and the Ravens. Interestingly, those would both be rematches for the 49ers. Their last two Super Bowl appearances, which both ended up in losses, close losses, were to the Ravens and to the Chiefs. In since 2010, since 2012, I think. Maybe even 2013. So basically, we're talking about the last 10 years. They've got two, two Super Bowl appearances. Interesting thing about that, by the way, is if they get to the Super Bowl, this would be the third Super Bowl appearance involving three different quarterbacks. And I don't think that's getting a lot of play at this point right now, at least, maybe when it happens, it will. But you're talking about three different eras of quarterbacks is the really interesting thing. Like, the Chiefs, all their Super Bowl appearances and wins and losses have been with Mahomes. You know, for the longest time, you know, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, you know. But the 49ers in 10 years have gone from a Kaepernick Super Bowl appearance to a Jimmy G Super Bowl appearance 
And if they win on Sunday, there will be a Brock Purdy Super Bowl appearance. That's, I think, the closest thing that we've seen to that might be the Redskins with uh, Joe Theismann. Did Jay Schrader make a Super Bowl? Doug Williams? I have to go back and look that up, but I think they may have had three different quarterbacks. Definitely two. Definitely uh, Theismann and Williams. Maybe even a third one. Too. Oh, it was the third one. It was Mark Rippon. Excuse me. Mark Rippon. So this would be the first since that trio uh, within one organization to reach a Super Bowl involving three different quarterbacks manning the ship. I'd say that's a pretty impressive feat. It's hard enough to find three quarterbacks in a row that are competent. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't say competent. I should say that are that play at a high level. You know, look at the Miami Dolphins. You know, after Dan Marino, they went, what, 20 quarterbacks and, and not found the guy? You know, over a 20-year period plus? You know, uh, the, the Broncos, outside of a couple of years, borrowed years from Peyton Manning, you know, haven't found a guy that could uh, be the cornerstone for the franchise like John Elway was for a long time. It's not easy. So it'd be major props to them. Now, I uh, would reminisce to not give props to the Lions. I mean, this has been a, an abysmal franchise for a long time. You know, very poor history. They don't produce a lot of Hall of Famers. They haven't produced a lot of exciting moments in the National Football League. You know, the only excitement for that franchise in the last 40 years was Barry Sanders. And so Dan Campbell had an uphill battle, and the Lions have hired so many different head coaches over the years. You know, they picked and probed and prodded and pillaged from Super Bowl teams like the Patriots, Matt Patricia. You know, they, the list of, of guys who that they've that they've brought in has been formidable. They've brought in head coach after head coach after head coach. And they use top draft picks to get guys like a Megatron, to get guys like a Matthew Stafford. Nobody was able to get it done. So they went, what, 39 years or whatever it was, 31 years without a playoff victory even. And that's not even to say that they had a lot of playoff appearances because they didn't. You know, they had a lot of one and duns. Uh, excuse me. Not even a lot of one and done. Just when they got there, it was one and done. That's typically what happened. But getting there was few and far between. You know, that division has been, you know, the Packers division for a long time between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. You know, occasionally the Bears would pop up with a surprise, you know, team with a good defense and they would, you know, get a, get a, a playoff appearance here and there. You know, Vikings, they've had some good years here and there. But overall, the Lions haven't been included in that discussion. So uh, props to Dan Campbell and the job he's done. To Shanahan and what he's done. This would be his second Super Bowl appearance. 
the the first one in in the series of three that I was talking about was Jim Harbaugh, the guy we started the show talking about. And on the other side, Jim Harbaugh's brother, John Harbaugh, he's been the multiple postseason Super Bowl, Super Bowl victory performances, and same thing with Andy Reid. So we've got a, a really, really good uh, foursome of head coaches. Should be a fun weekend. Let's take our final commercial timeout. I'll give you some predictions. More right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment on the Mike Abadir Show. We're talking a lot about that NFL coaching openings, coaching decisions, coaching hires, coaching performances in the postseason, coaching in the Super Bowl. We're down to the final four. And I talked about which matchups that I think the NFL wanted. Now let's talk about the teams. If you're the 49ers, who would you rather play against? Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? I think that's a really intriguing question. Obviously, both present a ton of challenges. So, I mean, there isn't necessarily a right answer or wrong answer. But one thing we did see was that Lamar and the Ravens kicked the 49ers' ass in, in you know, on the road in, in San Francisco, in Santa Clara. 
You know, 49ers are at home, and they got whooped on national TV. And it wasn't even close. On the flip side, would you ever say that you want to go up against Patrick Mahomes in the postseason? I'd say absolutely not. And it's for that reason that I think that whichever of these teams gets there will be my Super Bowl pick. Whether it's the Ravens or whether it's the Chiefs, you know, I don't think I could bet against either of them, against either of the NFC teams. And I think it's a trend that we saw during the course of the NFL season. I don't have the numbers on it. Maybe we'll see if we can get those pulled up in terms of AFC versus NFC this year. But I think numbers aside, just from the eye test, just from the big matchups, the AFC to me looked much stronger than the NFC. The AFC's top tier seemed much stronger than NFC. The AFC's playoff teams as a whole seemed a lot better than the NFC. I, you know, I'd say that the Bills are, who are at home are probably better than any of the NFC teams that are at home. You know, the Dolphins are probably better than, than a majority of the teams that are at sitting at home as well, um, so on and so forth. Houston was, was pretty good. I, I think the field for the AFC overall was much better. I think the top tier as a whole was much better. So now it becomes who's going to get there? How are they going to get there? And I see both these matchups being fairly close. Now, why do I say fairly? Because I just have this strange gut feeling that the Lions are going to get up early against San Francisco. I think San Francisco's got a lot more pressure on them. And Purdy is just as inexperienced, or is the most inexperienced of any of the quarterbacks in the final four here. I mean, that's just fact. He's played under center the least number of games in his career. You know, he's maybe what played 20 games or something. I don't, I don't know exactly, but it was just last season and this season. Uh, he, here's the thing. Goff, and I've been tough on Goff, but I, I think he's ha actually had a pretty nice career. At this point, reinventing himself you know, going to the Super Bowl, the Rams, and sure, McVay was pulling the strings, and he really helped Goff, you know, get get there. Let's be honest, get to the Super Bowl. But now, if he gets here again on his own, now you got to take him seriously. You know, this would be a guy who's gone to the Super Bowl with two different teams. There's not a lot of people that do that at the quarterback position. So, Goff does warrant some respect. But overall, Purdy is the least experienced NFL quarterback that's going to be on the playing field on Sunday. He has the least track record that we can make predictions off of. Experience means something, folks. I'm going to take the Lions, not just to keep it close, but to win this game straight up against the 49ers.
Call me crazy, but I think the Lions are going to do it. The Lions don't have any weaknesses. Show me a weakness that the Lions have. If there is one, it hasn't been exploited. I mean, this team is a really good team. They can pass the ball, elite receiver, elite tight end, strong running back tandem. You know, they may be the most balanced offense of any of the teams. They're not dependent on any one guy. I mean, I think the 49ers are very Christian McCaffrey dependent, but he's that good. You know, maybe he's, you know, worthy of carrying the team on his back and getting the Super Bowl. That's what we might end up seeing. But my, I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to guess that the Lions are going to have this attitude of we're going to let somebody else beat us. We're not going to let Christy McCaffrey beat us. We're going to make Brock Purdy beat us. And Ayuk and Samuel and Kittle. And if we do that, we're going to force Purdy into some mistakes. We're going to force the 49ers to press a little bit. And if the Lions could get an early lead, let's just say they get out to that quick 10-0 lead or something, I'd be feeling pretty good if I were a Lions fan. Let's just say that. In the AFC matchup, I'm going to take the Chiefs to win this game straight up. So I'm taking both underdogs. Just bottom line, General rule, never bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's just a good rule to follow. To never bet against him. The guy doesn't have bad postseasons, folks. He just doesn't. The guy is in that class of, like, I hate to say it because I hate the Yankees, but, like, he's in that Derek Jeter class where you just expect him to perform at a higher level when the games matter the most. And I think that's what we have in Patrick Mahomes. So Super Bowl, I'm going to take the Chiefs and the Lions. It's a couple of underdogs. You know me, I'm not a, I don't play the favorites, typically speaking. But if you're talking about Vegas point spreads, et cetera, I think getting seven points on the Lions, getting three and a half on the Chiefs, I think that's, that's, those are some nice cushions. I mean, even even if those teams lose, you know, I don't see the Chiefs getting blown out. You know, the Lions, they could easily get that backdoor touchdown and make it within seven. You know, but I but I happen to think that both these teams are gonna win those game their games and match up in the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, am I gonna be shocked if the 49ers win? No. Is that gonna be a great Super Bowl for the Niners or Chiefs? Hell yeah. Will it be a great Super Bowl if it's the Ravens and the 49ers? Hell yes. But like I said, the one matchup I really don't want to see, I don't think the NFL wants to see, is the Lions and the Ravens. And it's not even about getting coast to coast, you know, Niners and then all the way back east with the Ravens or something, or Niners in middle America with the Chiefs or the Lions. I think it's more about franchise, iconic franchises, historic franchises 
you know, and the Lions just are a historic franchise. You know, as much as I think it would be cool if they win, I don't think the NFL wants to see it. But that is aside from my predictions. You know, I think that the Lions have a legitimate chance. If I was forced to take a team, I would take the Lions, the plus seven, and I'd even maybe possibly take them to win this game. In terms of the Chiefs and the Ravens, the defenses carry these teams. So I'm going to say it's going to be a high-scoring game. Because isn't that usually the way it works? Right? You say that the defenses carry these teams. It's going to be a high-scoring game. You say that the teams have crazy good offenses. ends up being a low-scoring game. So I'm going to take the contrarian approach to both. And I'm going to take the over in the Chiefs and the Ravens, over 44 and a half. And I'll take the under in the Lions and the 49ers. That line is at 52. It's a pretty high line for, for the playoffs. I mean, really, 52, you're saying it's going to be 30 to 21, and you still would be under. 30, uh, so then you say uh, 33 to 20, and then you get on the over. So we're talking about, you know, teams getting into the 30s. Yeah, we're, we're you know, then you're, you're talking about a, a fairly uh, high-scoring game, and that doesn't factor in for one stall of a drive, one defensive drive that gets stalled. So I'll take the under in San Fran. I'll take the over in Kansas City. And so that we don't go over on time, we got to wrap up the show. But as always, a big thanks to Voice America, to my man Jordan, to the entire team that helps put this all together. Big props to my heavenly angel, Pop DiBiase. Love you, man. Miss you. You always have a seat here that uh, is is thinking about you. Most of all, thank you to the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.